Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. When it comes to the NFL, any team can rise to the top, even if it was at the bottom the prior season. That's part of the beauty of the NFL. In 2017, two teams that finished last in their divisions the prior year rose to first place, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Eagles, led by coach Doug Peterson, went on to win the Super Bowl, while the Jaguars fell just short of making the big game, losing to the Patriots in the AFC Championship. Now Peterson is head coach of the Jaguars, and he's hoping to do in Jacksonville what he did in Philadelphia just five years ago. When Peterson was named the Jaguars' head coach in January, he found a mess left behind by previous head coach Urban Meyer. Sometimes, though, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Peterson finds himself with a potential superstar in second-year quarterback Trevor Lawrence, and he had his pick of the college talent this year, selecting Trayvon Walker with the first overall pick in the NFL draft in April. The team has signed free agent wide receivers and a big-name tight end, while also bringing in defensive talent, including a player who won a Super Bowl with the Rams last year. But will it be enough? To talk about all the ins and outs of the Jaguars now that camps are done and the team is off until late in July, I welcome in J.P. Shadrick, the senior reporter and editor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. J.P. Shadrick is entering his 11th season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately, he's only seen one winning season in his time with the team, but he's hoping for more as the 2020s move on. JP, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be with you, Tim. Thanks for the invitation, and uh, the off-season downtime is here, so we're about a month away from getting back to football. We're going to enjoy some things outside of football for a little bit, which is nice, and then uh, get back to business late July. Yeah, we got about three, a little less than four weeks here. But before we even get into the football, you know, first and foremost, tell the people what you do for the Jaguars, because the bio you sent me, it was about a page long. So I'd rather just have you uh, explain it yourself. Well, I apologize for that. Uh, No, my (laughs) official title is senior reporter and editor. Well, I host the pregame and postgame shows, three hours pregame, two hours postgame, an hour pre and post are on our full network around Florida and South Georgia and a couple of spots in South Carolina. I also host uh, the coaches radio show on, I think it's going to be Thursdays this year. Uh, Jaguars happy hour radio on Monday with Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli. 
Um, Jaguars huddle up podcast with Bucky Brooks on Wednesdays. I mean, all the above. Uh, Jaguars weekly UK television show on Sky Sports in the UK. So uh, we've got we've got a lot going on. Podcast shows, um, and we're all over Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio. So it's um, it's a busy time during football season. Yeah, absolutely, and there's definitely a lot going on with the Jaguars right now heading into this season. So let, let's first start talking about you know some of the offseason stuff. Of course, the the hiring of Doug Peterson to replace Urban Meyer, and you know we know that the team was left maybe in a little bit of disarray. But Peterson seems like the guy to come in, organize things, and and get it moving in the right direction. So, and what have you seen that the team went through OTAs and camps that's different now as opposed to what you saw last year under Meyer? Well, it's a long list. I don't know how long this podcast is, but it's it's pretty much everything it feels like. I mean, just the way the the presence on the practice field is much different. There's no megaphone saying what thing is next in practice on the list. You know, there, there was all all of that last year. Um, you know, it's a very calm environment. Now, there's not a lot of running around. There's not a lot of yelling and screaming between drills. They go out there. They get their work done. And if they get their work done early, they get off the field. And, you know, I think a, a, a big uh, way, uh, an example of the difference, a, a really good example, actually, is that Doug Peterson could have started the offseason program a week earlier than he did. But he's been in this league since 1991. He's been a head coach for a long time. He's won a Super Bowl. He understands and knows what he needs to see from a football team to have them ready to go into training camp. So why run them out there a week early when you don't really have to, and they can go through a month and a half, two months, get certain things done each day and then get off the field and even actually let the veterans go early uh, out of the, the mandatory mini camp. I, I don't think that would have happened last year because the, the previous regime was learning every day, how the league worked and player acquisitions and, how to go about practicing. And, and it was just always a constant learning situation for the staff, for the coaching staff. There's none of that anymore. I mean, Peterson understands exactly what he wants to see. And I think that has calmed the waters around the, the Jaguars players, you know, and that, that was priority number one for Doug in this offseason was just get that trust back. And then they can go into training camp. It's going to be a little harder than everybody thinks in training camp. But now that he has that trust, I think they'll give it to him. Yeah, you know, one of the words that I've heard players and writers and columnists use a lot is healing. So it sounds like Doug Peterson has kind of started that path, but they've also had a ton of turnover. So, you know, there's a lot of players who weren't even here to see what took place. But, uh, you know, from a healing standpoint, the players who are remaining, uh, how have you seen them reacting to Peterson? Yeah, I think it's very favorable because of all the things we just talked about. It's very, it's a very professional approach. Uh, there's not a lot of, hey, rah rah stuff. At least that we see outside. You know, maybe there's a little of that in the meeting rooms, but I, I highly doubt a lot of that. Um, it's a professional NFL environment. We're coming to work. Um, phones are away. We're here looking at film. We're going to go out. Uh, we're going to teach certain things. And we're going to get our work done and get out of here. That, that's really what it is. So um, that's that's the biggest change. And I think that for the for the players who were around here last year, who have been in the league for a little while that were around here last year, uh, it's it's back to a sense of normalcy. And, I, and the number one 
player that everybody's really going to focus on with this, of course, is the quarterback. That's where it starts and ends. If the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is comfortable and is in an environment where he can grow and improve and help this offense move down the field and score, okay, that's great. Uh, it was just a, a constant change in approach and a lot of voices last year and uh, some voices who had been in different places, and uh, there, was, there was a lot of noise. That's the number one position on this team, obviously. If he's comfortable, then I think the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, will all have success. But it starts and ends right there. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's talk about Trevor Lawrence a little bit because he's got a lot more support this year. You bring in Christian Kirk at wide receiver, Zay Jones at wide receiver, Evan Engram at tight end. You get Travis Etienne back. You're looking at what's going to happen with James Robinson. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But as you've watched Lawrence practice over the past two or three months, where are the areas of growth that you're seeing out of him? Well, it feels to me that you mentioned a lot of those new weapons, right? Uh, it, it felt like he and Christian Kirk had a little something going in the offseason program, especially towards the end of it. Uh, you know, they're not going full speed. They're doing barely 11 on 11 work. So you have to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. If it doesn't look good right now, that's a real issue, right? That's, that's, so let's say there, were, there weren't many footballs on the ground. I think that's the good judge in the offseason program is the football on the ground when it's not supposed to be. And there wasn't a lot of that. And we got to go out there one time a week. We weren't out there every single day. I'm sure there were days where that were better than others. But for the most part, things were pretty crisp. He's putting the ball in the right place. Um, the new players who have come in are responding to it, it feels like. Um, and they have some dynamic playmaking type guys, they feel like at least, that they didn't have around here. I think I wrote this earlier uh, on Jaguars.com for a, a, a piece we're doing through John Osher. A, a number of Jaguars contributors talk about different topics uh, in the offseason, and this was one of those. I, you know, having better players, right? It seems simple, but you have to upgrade the talent. If the scheduling and the coaching is the best of all time, it's great. But if your players aren't as good as the other players on the other side of the field, then it doesn't ma it won't matter. The best coaching and scheduling in the world is just wasted. So they've had to really go about getting better uh, baseline talent on the football team. So that's where the free agency stuff came in, of course. Guys that can really jump into a role or a number of roles and make immediate impact. So I think that's that will comfort Trevor. Because Christian Kirk, not as just a slot guy, he's going to be all over the place. Evan Ingram can move outside, can do different things. Not going to block much of anybody, but he'll go out and make plays down the field, especially down the middle. That's fine. So upgrading the talent, drafting well, developing those guys, that's all part of this thing. It sounds simple, but I think that gets overlooked. It's a player's – you just got to have better players than the other guy, right? I mean, that's that's – that has been lacking here for a long time. The, the baseline talent of the team has not been good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you look at how Lawrence started last year, 332 yards, he threw 51 times. It seems as though right out of the gates they were trying to put too much on him. And you saw kind of setbacks as the year went on because I think he was trying to do too much as a rookie. And part of that comes down to some of his blocking, some of the people who were defending him. And in this offseason, you see the Jaguars, they brought back Cam Robinson at left tackle. The right tackle spot, it's still to be determined. You've got Jawan Taylor. He started all 49 
59 games, but he didn't have, I guess, what the Jaguars considered the greatest year last year. So he's battling with Walker Little at that position. And I think you'll see both guys with playing time anyhow. So, you know, talk about Lawrence's protection and how important it was to get that deal done with Robinson. Well, first off, uh, I know we're going to get to running back in a little bit. I think part of that early passing all over the place last year was a lack of confidence in James Robinson because ETN was kind of going to be their guy, I think. But that's another. we'll get to that coming up. Uh, to the offensive line, Cam Robinson, they were always working on that deal in the offseason, and they finally got it done. I don't think they were truly considering a tackle at number one. You know, I, I think they had that in the can already. They were waiting until it, it officially got done. Um, and Cam Robinson is a solid left tackle in the league. And, and asking guys like Baselli about it, you know, it, there are some things that he has uh, over the years improved upon. There are some things that in pass protection especially um, that, you know, he still has got to work on. But he had a good year. He had one penalty last season. I mean, that's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say you had a bad year when you have one penalty all season or allow one sack. I mean, it's like, okay, that's, that's a pretty good year. So, okay, that's solidified at least for a few years. You don't have to worry about that position. Center Brandon Linder retired. That's going to be a question mark. Who really jumps in there early? Tyler Shatley will probably be the guy at least to start. And then when Luke Fortner, the draft pick from Kentucky, is ready, it'll be his job, I think. As long as he is, you know, wants to have it, uh, I think they they drafted him for that reason. He was drafted higher than Brandon Linder was, so use that as the as the math there. And the right tackle spot, uh, Juwan Taylor had way too many penalties last year. He'd be the first to tell you that uh, play was inconsistent. And they, of course, they drafted Walker Little in the second round, and he was just kind of slow in coming off that knee again, and finally got on the field at the end of last season. There's still a question at the guards, you know, I mean, not right guard, Brandon Sheriff's the guy there, certainly, but left guard, Ben Bart's probably the guy right now. It's, you know, July 1st, whatever day it is right now. So uh, that could change. Um, is it Shatley? Do those guys, slide, whoever loses the center job, do they slide in? Fortner can play guard. They have some options there. Um, it was a priority, though, to, to upgrade that, especially if they're inconsistent running the football as they were sometimes last year. You're going to stand back there and pat the ball three times. No, no, you're going to, they're going to come after the quarterback. So um, that's a process. It takes time to get those guys through on the offensive line, and I think they're in the middle of churning that thing out right now, and we just don't have a lot of answers in some of those questions until, you know, maybe week one. Yeah, it's one of those things I think never gets talked about enough because it's not one of those sexy positions as offensive line. But, you know, you always hear about quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. Well, somebody's got to be protecting those guys and opening the holes. And it's been a while since the Jaguars have had the right pieces in place, probably about four years since, uh, you know, when they had uh, Blake Bortles at quarterback. He had decent protection that one year. So, you know, you know it's, it's that, funny you say that because like the last last year, start of the season, the narrative was, oh, it's the same starting five offensive line for the third year in a row. That's continuity. That's great. Well, they had issues a lot of those years. So, okay, you got to churn it out and get some new new blood in there. That's, I think, what they're trying to do right now, and it just takes a little time. Yeah, and I'll just throw this plug in. Where I come from in Brevard County, Florida's Space Coast, we root for Jawan Taylor. He comes from Cocoa High School right here. My high school's rival. I went to Merritt Island High School. He went to Cocoa. So shout out to Jawan. We love to see him do well. And, you know, we, we hope to see him continue there with the Jaguars. 
You know, a, a funny story about uh, Jawan Taylor, and I love the guy. He's a fantastic guy off the field to talk to and, and talk football and just anything else with. I went, this is some years ago, I think he was a rookie, uh, so it had been about three years ago. I went to the Florida Theater in downtown Jacksonville, and I went to the Robert uh, Randolph and the Family Band concert. So Robert Randolph's a, a guitar player. It's like a steel guitar, but he plays it like a regular guitar, and he has a band behind it, the whole thing. It's fantastic. He's outstanding. Well, lo and behold, I'm sitting in like the last row at the Florida Theater. Hey, let's welcome out Jaguar Jawan Taylor. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Well, and they put him on drums. Like he plays drums for a song with Robert Randolph. Well, come to come to find out, well, they went to the same church together down in, in Florida, like here in Florida, and grew up together, like not the same age, you know, but they know families know each other. And Jawan used to kind of jam with the church band and he was in it. And I was like blown away. Jawan Taylor is playing drums with Robert Randolph. That was kind of cool. Pound for pound, the largest drummer out there, I bet. <laughs> so, so, yeah, absolutely. All righty, so let's turn to the defensive side of the ball. And as you alluded to a, a minute ago about the draft, you know, they you didn't think they were going to take an offensive lineman because Evan Neal was talked about a lot. Ultimately, they take Georgia sensation Trayvon Walker. And recently, our reporter John Reed here at the Times Union went to his hometown, talked to everybody from his coach to his dad to even his librarian. And, you know, the, the story was super interesting. You can find it at jacksonville.com and look up John Reed's story on Trayvon Walker. But what do you see in this young man that made him the top pick, that made the Jaguars say, we're going to take him over Hutchinson, Neal, and Aquonu and everybody else? Tim, have you seen him in person yet? I have not. When you see him in person, I think you'll know right away. I, <laughs> I didn't realize how tall he was, right? I mean, I'd watched some Georgia games. I, I don't think I called one last year, but um, I, I'd watched a lot of Georgia. But, okay, he's just – everybody else is big on the defensive line at Georgia, right? He's just a guy. Well, no, 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 no. He's he's six six. He's all of that. He's all the weight listed, about 270-whatever. And he's got long arms, and he can run. And so all of that combined, and he can push some weight around, it looks like, at least on the the, the few times we've seen it on the practice field here in the offseason. We'll find out, really, when the pads go on with him. But that's why. And I think they would – I don't know if they'll tell you, but I think they probably knew early in the process that it was him because of his possible versatility and all that athleticism – instead of Aiden Hutchinson, because Hutchinson, they feel at least probably that it, he's a one trick pony pass rusher. Okay. That's it. Well, they're starting Trayvon at that. That doesn't mean he's going to end with that. I think it's one of those situations with Trayvon. Okay. They might start him at outside linebacker, just off season, get him going. Once training camp hits you know, unfortunately injuries sometimes could happen. Maybe he's got to move around. I don't know if they could do that with Hutchinson. Right. So that was, the, I think, the draw, the size, the speed, and the versatility possibilities with him. Um, I think that's why it was pretty clear to them, at least, that he was the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we were developing that story and after John went up to his hometown in Georgia and we were working on that, and he was telling me all of this great stuff. And he was telling me about this lovely librarian who has this picture montage to him. He's telling me about his coach. Then he tells me the story. He said... His father, who was a military man, would make him go out in the Georgia heat, 
even after he had committed to play at Georgia, and he had to mow this incredibly large yard in this hot heat, wearing this kind of like worker onesie outfit. For some reason, I always picture Michael Myers, although I shouldn't, but that type of onesie, and a football helmet in 90 plus degree weather. And I said, John, that is the lead of your story. When you hear things about that, and I'm picturing this giant, you know, basically wearing a hazmat suit and a helmet. What do you think when you hear stories like that and just the discipline and, you know, he could have said to his dad, no way. And I'm not sure if his dad could have made him at that size, but heck, you know, just the respect, the hard work. What does that tell you about that kid? Well, it tells you about the the family that brought him up. You know, I mean, that that's, it's a military background, right? That's, that's great. But it's, um, it's more than that. It, there, there's depth to that. And there's depth to him too. He, he's not exactly, a, at least in your first interview with the guy, Trayvon, he's not uh, over the top and, you know, that's not his personality. Um, but once you kind of get him a little more comfortable, He'll give you some things. John Osher, a former Times Union beat writer a long time ago for the Jaguars now, jaguars.com, did a podcast with him a couple weeks ago where he sat down with him one-on-one. And it was a very casual environment, and he opened up a little bit more. And he's even better, I think, when he has another player with him and they can bounce off. I just don't think he likes the center of attention idea as much. Um, He's modest. but hey, that's that's kind of what he is, and that's a good thing. I, I, we've seen a lot of number one overall picks that aren't that. So, um, a, a guy who's grounded, um, and there's, I'm, I'm going to guess that that background and that upbringing is a big reason why they weren't going to let him get too big for his britches. And he went out and and did things the right way at Georgia, and it's paid off for him so far. And I would guess that he's going to be doing the same things. Uh, now here in Jacksonville is, is I, I don't, it's hard to lose that. You know, I, now I say that I've never been a number one overall pick with $30 million in my pocket either <laughs> at 22 years old, but there's a, it just feels like this is a, this is the way it's going to be with him. And that's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah, definitely. So for those of you who are listening and haven't checked out that story, again, Trayvon Walker, look up a story by John Reed at Jacksonville.com. And also I'll plug one other story we did recently on Chad Muma, who is selected out of Wyoming, and he has type 1 diabetes. And Gary Smits, one of our other great writers here, did an amazing job on that. So definitely check out all of the work there at Jacksonville.com. But JP, sticking with defense, you know, Along with Walker, you have, you know, a a budding star in Josh Allen who played, he was probably the bright spot last year, not probably was, you know, they bring in Darius Williams who won a Super Bowl with the Rams. So how much better is this squad already looking over what we saw last year? Oh, it's fully revamped. I mean, so that's, there's some defensive linemen on the interior that are back, right? I mean, Roy Robertson Harris is one of those. Devon Hamilton needs to step up a little bit. Um, he didn't have the best of statistical seasons. He's a nose tackle. It's hard to have that. Uh, Malcolm Brown's back. Those guys are back. They're interior defensive line players. That's cool. Uh, outside linebacker, you know, they drafted Walker number one. Here comes Devin Lloyd. They revamped the entire linebacker room. Miles Jack's gone. Uh, Joe Schobert has been gone. Um, so it's a full revamp for the most part at middle linebacker. 
that's a big deal. Foyer Lewican comes in free agency from the Falcons. He led the league in tackles last year. And then Devin Lloyd, who is a freak of nature out of Utah and was the defense player of the year in the Pac-12 and led them to a Pac-12 championship at Utah, of all places. Uh, they lost the Rose Bowl and one of the epic Rose Bowl games ever to Ohio State, unfortunately for them. And But you, know, you change that whole thing up. And then all of a sudden at corner, here's, of course, Shaq Griffin's back. Um, Tyson Campbell's going into year two, a year wiser. And uh, bring in a guy who's played at a high level and won a Super Bowl and got a lot of action out there in L.A. because Jalen Ramsey's on the other side. They didn't throw his way a lot, and Darius Williams was getting a lot of the action. And then, so it, it's a, there's a lot of new. And it's a new coordinator. I mean, it's a new scheme. So we really don't have a good look at it yet, what it's really going to feel like. It's a base 3-4. They'll have some other packages and things that they'll roll in there. Uh, Devin Lloyd, yeah, he'll be a middle linebacker, but he's going to come on blitzes. I mean, he can do that. He can probably line up outside some if he needs to. Uh, it's just a matter of situation and, and who they're playing. I, I don't I don't think there's one, like on Madden, you pick 3-4 and play that. No, this is not that defense. They are. They could morph week to week. They could, uh, in mid-game, change it up, come from different sides, different players. The versatility of the defense is something that's – I think we just haven't really had a chance to see yet. And I think that'll surprise a lot of people probably once we get uh, to, to real games in September. Yeah, and you mentioned Devin Lloyd. I have heard and read nothing but amazing things about that young guy. So I'm excited to see him get on the field and see what he can do on an NFL uh, field next year. Same idea for, for with him, uh, quickly. Uh, you know, military background, a great family. And, and then in Salt Lake City with the team was a – big reason why they didn't quit playing football he kind of kept that team together they had a couple of, of teammates that uh, were killed with gun incidents and there was a moment where i think kyle whittingham was like i don't know if we're gonna play and then devin lloyd was a big piece i think of why that team stayed together uh, last year and of course made the run to the rose bowl and won the pac 12 so um but he's remember telvin smith when telvin was really good he was running around making plays and always around the football, but he was also 205, 210 pounds soaking wet. Well, this is Telvin Smith, but about 230, 232. So he's got a little extra behind him, and that's a good, good difference. Yeah, he is definitely physically impressive, so that's going to be fun. Now, when we look at the upcoming season... You know, as I mentioned in, in my intro, it, it's been a rough decade plus for the Jaguars. They've only had one winning season in their last 11. In fact, in the time you've been there, you've only unfortunately seen the one winning season. So Thanks, Tim. Yes, you're right, though. It was 2017. They won 10 <laughs> games. And the, the second most after that in that time is six. So, yeah. Well, while a winning record, you know, coming off three last year, it might not be expected. How would you define success for this team? Is it a number of wins or is it being close in games or, you know, do people expect five or seven wins? Like, you know, what, what do you think out of that situation? I think I think the coaching alone will get you a couple. I think improved quarterback confidence and play will get you a couple more. I think improved defense and more takeaways and impact plays will get you a few more. So add those together, you're looking at seven, eight, nine wins, right? I mean, and that's a pretty good jump from three with a bunch of new people, a whole new coaching staff, 
Um, not that they can't win more than that. If the things go well early and the ball, you know, they get rolling, you know, around Thanksgiving, that, that could change. Then again, that schedule gets really tough in December. There's a bunch of games away from home in December, a bunch of games away early. I mean, so you got to start out strong and then try to find a rhythm somehow and then just manage it to the end. So for me, honestly, Tim, I think it's eight wins, eight to nine. If you're eight and nine or nine and eight, that's a really good year one for Doug Peterson and this this team. I'm not going to limit them. Obviously, they could go win some more games if they get on a roll offensively and score. Um, but they better score more than, what, 16 points a game they had last year. I think those days are done. It just feels like it's going to be a totally different feel on offense. And that, that'll that um, that'll definitely improve the, the win-loss total around here. For me, a successful season is just beat Houston both times you play them. You know, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't give up a 75-yarder to Derrick Henry. How about that? Uh, yeah. stop, stop, stop doing that. There you go. Well, when you look at that schedule, you know, they've got they've only got seven home games because they have nine road games and a London game this year. But they've got some great opponents aside from, you know, you've got the revamped Colts with they still have Jonathan Taylor, but bringing in Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. And then, you know, the the Titans are expected to be good. But when you look at that schedule, some of the other teams that they'll be playing, who are some of the ones you're excited to see? Oh, I mean, it's the, the AFC West. Are you kidding me? It's like the Hunger Games. I mean, they're, they're, it is unbelievable. They, they, all those teams went out in free agency or trades and just tried to destroy the rest of the division in the offseason. And none of them succeeded, so they're going to have to do it on the field. They all have quarterbacks, they all have pass rushers, and the Jags play all of them this year. Of course, two of them um, are on the home schedule. One of those is in London. Uh, the Raiders are coming to Jacksonville, and the Jags go out west to the Chiefs and to the Chargers. So that's the division. I mean, I mean, can they hang with arguably the most improved? It's already pretty good division, but most improved division in football. They're going to have to, and that, that's that's the measuring stick. I mean, you you hang with those teams with those quarterbacks and those that personnel. Okay, then you're you're getting somewhere, and this team has not been able to compete with teams like that on a regular basis. So if you go out there and you got to win the game, I get it. Just show, show that you're improved enough to be in that situation, and then go win the game. That's that's the way you're only really going to know, and that's the division I'm looking forward to. That AFC West, man, that's going to be a tough one. Well, you know, given that the Dallas Cowboys are kind of the national team, kind of the way the Yankees are in baseball, do you expect TIA Field to be as packed or sold out as they've been for any game in a while? Well, yeah, there's Cowboys fans everywhere. That's how it works. Um, they're beatable. I don't think they're, you know, uh, <laughs> those the stat the last playoff win. I mean, it's it's been a while. Like right? so, the, it is the mystique of the star on the helmet and that's fine. Uh, and they have a good team. Uh, they got a quarterback, they got a running back, they got some parts, they got some things going on, but yes, there will be fans that come for that game. There will be fans that come for the giants game. Um, it's a, it's a trip down to Florida for a lot of people and a lot of giants people are around here too. So, um, but let's hope, I mean, if the Jaguars are playing well, a lot of Jaguar people here for those games, right? That that's, that's what you're hoping for. But you have to go earn that, too. And, and I think this team understands that, that 
you know, with poor performances like they've had over the last couple of years, it's going to be a Cowboys crowd until you play better football on the reg. And they haven't done that lately. Yeah. Well, you know, to steal a Stuart Scott saying, Doug Peterson's kind of one of those guys that's cool as the other side of the pillow. But how is he going to be October 2nd when the Jaguars play his old team, the Eagles? Trevor Lawrence is obviously familiar with Jalen Hurts from their Alabama-Clemson battles. So how do you think he's looking at that? I know he'll probably be saying all the right things, but inside, you know he's got to like he's got to be clenching his fists a little extra tight when that game comes around. Yeah, I it just it didn't end perfectly. It never it rarely ends perfectly for a coach in any stop in the NFL, even a few years removed from a Super Bowl, apparently, right? So that's how fast things can change. I, I he'll say the right things, as you said, Tim. But uh, yeah, there's going to be something extra. I, I would say the guy's been around the league too long. Um, uh, he probably feels like he should still be the coach. I, I'm just saying that. I'm not saying it for him, but I'm, I'm just, I'm guessing that's probably the case because who wants to get whacked? So, um, yeah, there'll be a little extra for that. I, I would, now, can you coach it differently because of that? No, uh, you're coaching like you always do, but there's going to be a little more juice. And I'm curious how the Eagles fans greet him in Philadelphia, right? I mean, are they going to go full Philly and boo Santa Claus or are they going to, you know, embrace the guy who won them their only Super Bowl and, give him the, the round of applause he deserves until the game starts. I can't answer that. I've only been to Philly like three times, so I don't know the answer to that one, but I know Doug will be ready. That's that's all I know. Yeah, if those fans do anything but cheer him, they are insane because they that that Super Bowl beating Brady the way they did, I mean, come on, they, they just need to be kind to that man. So. <laughs> so just a couple more things before I let you get out of here. You know, the Buffalo Bills got approval for their new stadium, and it was, you know, whatever it was, $1.4 billion. It just sounds like Monopoly money at this point. But it creates a template of sorts for the Jaguars as they look to renovate TIAA Field. And now that's still several years out before all of this has worked out. But luckily, the city, the team, all of it's already in motion. But being someone who knows this stadium intimately like you do, what are the things that you hope to see fixed, made better, make the fan experience better? What are you hoping to see them do to TIA Field when they're finally able to fix this stadium up? Shade, shade, shade. (laughs) Make it more comfortable to go sit at one o'clock on a Sunday in September. It is brutal, especially on the east side when the sun is blaring it in your face. Uh, If you're sitting in the east, of course, looking to the west, you know, when the sun's going that way. Uh, You get a little more shade on the west side because the sun sets that way, obviously, or moves towards the horizon that way. So they get shade earlier. The east side never really gets it for a one o'clock game. And that it's 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 rough, honestly. It's it's not a good thing. So I think that's priority number one. I, I would guess, I mean, improved. You look at all these new stadiums, right? And. SoFi, that, that's a tough one to, to, to match to this situation here, but it's the cream of the crop right now in the NFL. Um, massive fan entrance areas and moving people around. Uh, the stadium in Jacksonville, at TIA Bank Field, has two elevators in each club to go all the way up to the suites and the upper deck, right? Two. So for all those suites on both sides, there's four elevators. Uh, there's a couple on the other end. So just better vertical transportation because it takes people forever 
to get up to the suites, honestly. And that's that has to be improved. Um, you know, and even on the outside to the concourses, the ramps, you know, that can be improved, that design somehow. And the concourses themselves are just dated and they're they're narrow and kind of dark. You know, there's not a lot of light under there sometimes. So uh, kind of expand that somehow. I think those are for, for me, you asked me, I, I think those are the priorities. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, that you know, step one is getting the team out into the football building. It's being built right now. <clears throat> and then moving the business office when that's ready to go near the river. And then they can really, you know, continue that process with the city about uh, plans and ideas for, for renovating and actually go in and do it. You can't do it until the team's out of the building. And so this is step number one, the football building being almost done and, and ready to go next uh, training camp. Yeah, as a baseball fan, I can tell you that the best thing the Miami Marlins ever did was getting their dome stadium because it used to be just dreadful to go down to Joe Robbie and see a game and bake in the sun. So, and, well, same and, for the Dolphins, right? And they they yeah. they renovated the whole thing, but they put what four hundred million dollars into the roof, and it changed the entire dynamic of games there, and it's a, it's a great environment now. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they try and get, you know, a, a, an open and closing dome or if at least they try and get some sort of, I don't know if you're familiar with like Croke Park Stadium in Ireland where they play their national soccer games, but it's almost got like an eve to where the top isn't closed, but when the sun and setting sun is there, it's much more blocked out than it would be, you know, than just an open bowl. So it'll be interesting to see how they can do that. Yeah, I know they have some early design things they haven't released as of yet that I haven't seen either. So they're they're down the road a little bit on some of the ideas, I think, on that before they're really going to start pitching. And, and they're still kind of early on all that. But I, I'd be surprised if it's a dome. That's not – I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be probably surprised if it's a retractable roof even. I, I think it'll still be an open-air situation, in, in my opinion – with some kind of covering for most of the seats, if not all the seats. So, but that's priority number one. It has to be. Yep. Hopefully we'll see that in the next few years. You know, the, the, the other thing is, you know, Tony Baselli. He's going to be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame later this summer. The first Jacksonville Jaguar to go in. And I know you weren't there when he was playing, but do you remember watching him play and have you had conversations with him lately about going into the hall and did you read the story that we had that Gene Frenette did talking about Father's Day and what Tony's dad meant to him and not being there he died last year of melanoma so just tell us your your dealings with Tony Baselli, what you remember about him and how great this is for the Jaguars organization well I've got plenty of dealings with Tony Baselli. I host three radio shows with him during football season. So I, I know him very, very well. And he's a, he's a great friend and fantastic colleague. And I, I, I can't be more excited for him. I mean, he's, I remember watching the playoff game against the bills when I was whatever, how old I was. I remember I watched the game. I remember watching it and then I the left tackle and Bruce Smith. And of course, a couple of weeks ago, Bruce Smith got all upset about everybody asking for interviews about Maselli, I guess. Um, you know, and kind of went off on Instagram on Baselli and his candidacy. And I was like, wait, it's not a candidacy anymore. He's in now. I mean, you're, you're just going after another Hall of Famer now. So I'm excited for him. It's, it's huge for the organization. I think it's bigger for the organization than a lot of people might realize. It's been a long time, uh, you know, trying to fight for this and, and 
it finally came through. And to have a representative with a bust in Canton, Ohio, that, that's the, that's, that tells you uh, that you can't tell the story of the league without the Jaguars and with Tony Baselli, right? He's one of the golden era of left tackles, best left tackles, if not the best, depending on who you ask. And the expansion team that had a great run in the 90s. And in the early 2000s, like a couple of years. So that's that's important, and that's important for the organization. Uh, and I cannot wait to get to Canton and spend those days there. I've been twice as a you know once as a little kid, and another time as uh, not as not as little of a kid in my late 20s. Um, and it's it's an incredible experience to go to the Hall of Fame, but to do it with a guy that we know and love as a, a Jaguar and be there for all the experiences and the events and the I'm sure there will be after parties probably uh it's it's going to be a dream come true and yeah maybe for Tony too but for me I'm excited and I know our longtime Times Union columnist Gene Frenette he's looking forward to this he's giddy for Tony you know it, Gene he, he can be a certain type of personality you don't often think of him as giddy but this is one of those times where I think he's genuinely genuinely happy for Tony Baselli. And I left out the part you asked me about the, that, the story that Gene did about his dad. And I, I was so glad that Jaguars.com and the Jaguars employees had a hand in, in helping that story come through when uh, I think it was Trent Padilla and Brent Reber, two of our, our great camera operators and, and editors, secretly went to Colorado and, or, or wherever he I think it was in Colorado, and did the interview with him. Uh, just in case kind of thing, right? And held it, kept it quiet. Nobody really knew that was happening. And then they unleashed it on him <laughs> the night he was elected. Uh, some of it. He hasn't seen the whole thing, I don't think. But I think that's coming up at some point um, once we get closer to the induct- or the, um, the enshrinement. So uh, the story was fantastic. It, it's, uh, it's a shame that he's not here to see it. But uh, he's certainly, I think, watching another place and um he'll be very happy that tony is in oh i'm sure and some of those pictures where you see him with recruiting trips with tony and all those things you could tell they had a great relationship and you know you're right he'll be right there on his shoulder as it happens and and again this is just another reason for me and i I hope people don't think i'm plugging jacksonville.com too much but our times union reporter yeah that's true our times union reporters and john reed gene frenette Gary Smits, Justin Lewis, and Clayton Freeman, they all do such a great job of handling the Jaguars and covering them and getting the messages out and telling the stories of the players. So, you know, is there anything else? We, we've talked about a lot of things, offense, defense, coaching, Hall of Fame, stadium. Is there anything else you wanted to get in front of the audience before I let you get out of here? No, I, we just appreciate the support. I, I'm, thank you for having me on. And I know we um, we have a, a huge team over at the Jaguars and Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio that uh, try to put out the best content we can as well. And a lot of podcasts and shows and documentary series and documentaries on Baselli coming up. There's all that happening. Uh, but like I said earlier when we started, this is that month to kind of take it easy a little bit. And we'll be back at it once training camp starts uh, hot and heavy with uh, this new era of Jaguars football again. And we're excited to bring it to you. So um, I I would say I can't wait, but I'll wait a couple weeks. We'll be ready. We'll be ready to go as a team again. 
Yeah, that's right. Just take a few weeks to catch your breath and get going. So where can people, if they want to read your work, listen to your work, mention your website, social media channels, all that, let us know where to find you, JP. Jaguars.com. And then you can click the podcast link at the top of the page and get to all of our podcasts, the Ozone podcast with John Osier, the one-on-ones with players and coaches. Uh, we've got the Week in Review. Where we hit all the shows from the previous week. We've got Happy Hour. We've got Drive Time, our, our daily shows. Uh, they're all on hiatus right now, but you can go back and uh, get the review of the, the ones there. Um, and at JP Shadrick on Twitter, I'm fairly active on there. I have an Instagram. I'm not great at that. Not really photogenic enough. Um, but hey, we're, we're around, man. So check us out, jaguars.com. And then uh, Jaguars Radio will crank up again once we get to training camp. So the first full week of training camp, we'll have Jaguars Happy Hour on Thursdays on 1010XL. Uh, and 92.5 FM, and then the week after that, Monday happy hour starts with Baselli and Prisco, and then all of a sudden we're in, in Canton, Hall of Fame game, and we'll have full coverage of that as well. And I can't wait to get it going. His name is J.P. Shadrick, and he's the senior reporter and editor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P., thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Tim, you're the man. I appreciate you, and uh, thanks for having me, and have a great summer. Alrighty, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and this week I'll quote an anonymous saying, Remember that guy that gave up? Neither does anyone else. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.